This is Retirement Talk with Mike Graber from Compass Retirement Advisors. When a part of your financial strategy is out of tune, your long-term goals, your retirement savings, and your legacy can all suffer. With many years of experience in the financial industry, Mike Graber provides his clients and prospects with the information they need regarding Social Security, Retirement Income Planning, Wealth Management, and much more. Listen in as we address your financial concerns and provide helpful strategies to put you on the path to achieving your retirement goals. And now, here is Retirement Talk with Mike Graber. Hello again, everyone. Uh, Thank you for joining us today on Retirement Talk with Mike Graber. And uh, as always, our show is sponsored by our company, Compass Retirement Advisors. Uh, Last week, we had uh, part one of my interview with Maya McGinnis. Uh, Maya is in Washington, D.C. She is the uh, head of the Committee for a Responsible Federal Budget. She appeared on our show uh, in October of uh, 2021, so just about a year ago she was on, and uh, we wanted her to kind of give us the insider's uh, feel, the view of uh, the financial condition uh, of our nation, and uh, she did that, and uh, with the uh, recent uh, legislation that passed, the uh, Inflation Reduction Act, uh, by name only there, I think, really. Yep. Um, we uh, asked Maya if she would be available to uh, appear again, and uh, she graciously set aside some of her time. And uh, we've uh, played part one, like I said, last week. Today we have part two of that interview. But I think it's uh, important to note that uh, Maya's committee is a a nonpartisan uh, team of people who uh, have come together to uh, work at uh, educating politicians and, and Americans about uh, their, the spending. Uh, so much of the spending over the last uh, 20 years has been borrowed money. Um, you know, David Walker uh, was the uh, U.S. Comptroller General. Uh, way back in 2008, he was really one of the first that started uh, bringing this issue to the forefront. Uh, he testified to Congress that uh, they needed to immediately double federal income taxes if the government was going to be in a position to meet its obligations to the American people. Well, we all know that that didn't happen. Uh, David uh, resigned shortly thereafter, has written a number of books. Uh, But uh, Maya is kind of uh, uh, echoing uh, the same message. She's not calling for uh, huge tax increases like uh, David Walker did back in 2008, but she's just trying to get the politicians to stop borrowing money and just pay for things as you go. Yeah. If you don't have the money for it, then uh, wait until you do. And uh, the result of all that spending has dug us uh, quite a deep hole. Uh, our U.S. federal debt is a little over $31 trillion, wow. uh, unfunded liabilities, um, those are at about 172 trillion, and that's correct. Both of these numbers are trillions, and uh, unfunded liabilities. If you're new to our show, uh, that's the total of the promises the government has made for uh, a myriad of different programs. And unfortunately, uh, they just don't have 172 trillion dollars <laughs> sitting in Uncle Sam's checking account. And the only way they're going to be able to meet these uh, responsibilities is to eventually, you know, raise tax rates, uh, change uh, provisions in the code 
that maybe reduce some of our deductions or change formulas for various programs, uh, the end result is the government needs more money to pay their bills. Uh, there's the option of uh, you know cutting uh, other programs. Um, yeah, reducing think, spending. How about that? That would yeah, be a novel yeah. idea, but do you think our current government and politicians are capable of reducing spending? I don't think they are on their own, Tony. <laughs> my, my concern is that uh, the world puts them in a position where they have no alternative. Uh, and as Maya says uh, in, in the recording, they really only have the two options, either to raise revenues or reduce spending, some combination of the two. Yeah. But they know that it's not uh, politically wise to uh, start cutting uh, payments that they're making to Americans for various programs or to reduce funding for different things. Um, you know, people might be a little, uh, open to, uh, paying more, more tax, but you know, nobody likes to pay more tax either, uh, unless it's something that's very, very important. And so much of what the, the government, uh, spends their money on, uh, you know, doesn't go to, to good use. And, and that's what's, what's frustrating. You know, the, the impact at the end of the day is that you know we as individuals uh, are impacted uh, it impacts our lives daily it uh, puts stresses on uh, our retirement plan uh, assets uh, as inflation is roaring along at, at 40-year highs you know that's a result of uh, overspending you know stimulus money uh, too much stimulus money being in the economy uh, driving up uh, demand uh, and there's been some supply chain issues and, and things like that. But most of it is they just flush too much money out into the economy. So you have too many dollars chasing too few goods and the prices go up, you know, six, seven, eight percent year over year. And uh, how do we find those additional dollars, you know, out of our uh, current budgets if we're still working? How do we find those additional dollars out of our retirement uh, income strategies? Um, and then uh, couple that with the, the with the known fact that uh, at the uh, end of 2025, the Trump tax cuts expire, and there is a guaranteed increase in our income tax if Congress doesn't do something to uh, extend that. So, you know, my question and, and purpose of uh, retirement talk with Mike Graber is just to encourage our listeners to you know ask those questions. You know, how am I going to deal with you know, the increase in taxes that's coming if Congress doesn't do anything. We've got about three years before that happens. Um, how am I going to make uh, moves in my plan that uh, help me offset, you know, the impacts uh, of inflation and, and higher interest rate charges? Sure. So, Tony, I think we've got uh, part two here yep. ready to roll today. Uh, this, uh, again, is my interview that we had with Maya McGinnis from September the 26th. Um, I think uh, it, it's full of, of good, uh, independent uh, observations uh, from, from her and her team. So uh, we'll uh, be back to, to wrap this up on the other side of part two of my interview with Maya. Can you, can you be a little more uh, specific and, and, and maybe just address uh, for our listeners, uh, Maya, um, how, how serious is this uh, current you know, financial uh, condition of our country? Uh, you know, we've just had the Fed raise interest rates again. They're uh, talking about you know raising rates, uh, maybe another uh, 125 basis points here over the next uh, few months. Uh, you mentioned uh, higher uh, interest rates impacting uh, interest payments. Uh, how uh, 
what real, you know, what's the real condition financially of our country? Oh, it's incredibly dangerous, the situation we're in right now, because we don't know at what point it will become almost irreversible. And what that scenario would look like is if interest rates start going up more quickly because of our economic situation or because lenders don't want to lend to us at certain rates, they demand more of a return. Because our debt is so large, we can turn into a situation with a debt spiral where we have to borrow more to cover the additional interest payments that we get from higher interest rates. That higher borrowing, of course, creates a bigger debt, which makes us even more vulnerable to higher interest rates. And you can't get out of that situation. You're in a a pretty severe recession. If you get into a cycle, you can't get out of. Um, And there's real economic hardship. So the issue is, we don't know at what moment that will happen. We did not expect inflation to come on this quickly. There are many of us who are warning at the American Recovery Plan that it was going to be inflationary, but nobody knew for sure. And many people had become so accustomed to low inflation, low interest rates, they didn't think it was going to happen. This is a reminder that the basic laws of math do exist and you can't borrow and flood the economy without it leading to inflationary conditions. And that if you wait too long to deal with them and your debt is too high, it's very difficult to address them. So that's where we are now. But it also has a number of other really damaging effects. So we may not have the ability to borrow as we need to the next time there's a real emergency, like a COVID or a housing market crash, like we had in 2008, and you actually need to borrow to help prop up your economy. We're basically spending all our fiscal power now, which makes it not clear we'll have it when we need it. Those spiraling interest payments are very costly to American taxpayer. The lower economic growth and the lower standard of living means that we are all already worse off economically because of our borrowing from the past than we had to be. And what we're doing is we're borrowing today because we don't want to pay for all the things we're doing. We want to spend a lot of money through the government. We just don't want to pay for it. And that is pushing a lower economic performance onto younger workers and the next generation. I mean, I, my teenagers are bored of hearing about this, but I feel like I have to apologize all the time because our stewardship is so irresponsible that we're leaving them a weaker economy. And then because we borrow from countries with whom we're not necessarily aligned, whether it's oil producing countries or China, it leaves us in a situation where there are additional economic levers that other countries have against us. China, for instance, holds a a trillion dollars in U.S. treasuries. If they even talk about uh, selling those on the open market, that has profound effects on our economy. And you don't want to be vulnerable in that way. So there's nothing healthy about our fiscal situation. Uh, We're not even able to look at some of the big things we might need to be thinking about, like as technology and globalization change the world in which we work. We aren't able to think about how to update our social contract to meet those new needs and risks because we're so stuck in an ossified social contract that met the needs and risks of last century, but we haven't updated our national security or our social contract or our investments in human capital for the things we need to be doing this century. Yeah, I think we're in, you know, just the the very simply way I would describe it. We're, we're in that tough spot. Um, you know, we want to, to live in advance of our ability to pay for things. That's that's what borrowing is. That's what, what credit cards are, you know, for for uh, Americans. You know, we, we're buying things before we can actually afford them, and there's a cost that comes along with that, uh, a number which you've outlined there. Um, my, my concern for, for my clients, you know, in the retirement planning uh, arena 
are, you know, what are the consequences going to be, you know, for that individual retiree over the next, you know, 10, 15, 20, 25 years. And, uh, you know, how, how does the government pay down the debt? How do we uh, go from a, a, a situation where, uh, paying interest is, is the, the, the biggest bill that, that comes into the government. How do we get that reduced, Maya? What's the, what options does the government have? And we talk to our clients uh, often about uh, prepare for a season when, uh, you know, the amount you pay in tax is going to be significantly higher, that that's one of the levers that the, the government can uh, pull uh, to raise revenues. But uh, aside from just increasing taxes and changing the code to maybe change deductions and things like that to make more of our uh, funds wind up in uh, Washington, D.C., what, what else can the government do? Well, so basically there's two simple answers on what we get, have to do. To, they're, not, they're not desirable, but they are simple to get our finances under control. We're going to have to spend less and, and or we're going to have to pay more, meaning pay more in taxes. It's just not that complicated. Uh, you want all of those policies to produce more economic growth, not less, because that's always helpful. But there's so many sort of false claims out there about how we can grow our way out of this problem, and it's not even close. So I don't want to create that false sense of like, oh, let's just get economic growth, which is one, hard to control, two, hard to increase by much, especially with the demographic situation we have, and three, used often as an excuse not to do anything we really have to do. What we do need to do is look at spending. There are a number of items we have to do. Our discretionary spending is not capped, meaning it can grow by whatever amount Congress chooses, and they always choose a very high number. So we need to put in discretionary caps, which have helped in the past. They need to be reasonable so Congress doesn't waive them all the time, but they need to limit the growth to some amount, inflation, inflation plus something, um, less than inflation if you don't think it needs to grow that much, if you think there's room for savings. But you need to control spending on the discretionary side. On the mandatory side, where we have programs where people who are um, qualify for programs get the money no matter what, we need to make changes to our health care programs and retirement programs, and particularly Social Security and Medicare, which are both headed towards insolvency. We need to figure out how to shore up those trust funds so those programs don't become insolvent and unable to pay the benefits in full that they promised. In Social Security, for instance, we need to think about ideas to raise the retirement age since we can't all be in retirement starting at age 66 or 67 when we're living into our 70s, 80s, 90s, even 100s. We can think about how to calculate inflation appropriately. We overstate it right now. We can think about how to slow the growth of benefits for some people, probably people who don't depend on the program rather than people who do. Those are examples. On healthcare, we need to take a lot of activities to make things more transparent and align the incentives with healthcare providers with those of their patients. So rather than trying to make more money, they're trying to keep them healthier. Um, there's lots of outdated programs, whether it's looking at various kinds of subsidies, um, programs that are overlapping, outdated, ineffective, where you can save money. Not a huge amount. The biggest money is going to be in healthcare, retirement, and slowing the growth of interest payments. When it comes to revenues on the other side of the budget, there's about one and a half trillion dollars in lost revenues a year from tax breaks. We could look at streamlining those to save a lot of money. We could raise tax rates, whether that's on the payroll tax, the income tax, the corporate tax, and or we could look at a new tax, such as a VAT or a carbon tax. None of them are easy, 
all of them are necessary to contemplate and come up with a package. If you wanted to just bring the debt down to keep it at 100% of GDP, which is uh, well above what it's been historically, more than twice as high as our historical average over the past 50 years, so I think it's too high, but you'd have to save $3.5 trillion over a decade just to keep it at 100% of GDP. Balancing the budget would take as much as 10, 12, even $14 trillion over a decade. It's, it's frankly out of our reach. So we're going to have to be more realistic about what we try to achieve. But the important thing at this point is for Congress to make the first promise, no more new borrowing. In fact, what I'd really like to see is every member of Congress, this is the simplest ask I could think of, but every member of Congress saying, I promise I will not borrow any more for this year. It's only for three months. Like, we can do it, people. If you want to pass more legislation this year that costs money, pay for it. Just practice for the next three months not borrowing anything. I would love to have a campaign where people are asking their members of Congress, Congress to promise not to approve any more borrowing in 2022 and take it from there. Then we could try for next year as well. I mean, people don't call the offices and say, hey, I want you to raise my taxes or cut my spending. I want you to promise to pay for everything. They say, give me this, give me this, give me this. That's, that's how we as voters are wired. So I think we both need to realign our thinking as the leaders and the voters, where we actually ask our politicians to be fiscally responsible instead of fiscally irresponsible. Maya, uh, in, in the time we've got left here today, uh, tell our uh, listeners uh, maybe some of the things that are available uh, on uh, your website. I think there's maybe a budget tool where they can uh, exercise maybe uh, uh, some some planning choices on how they would go about solving some of the issues and uh, uh, explain that and, and and tell us about some other information that's available on your website. Sure. Well, we encourage anybody who's interested to go ahead at the crfb.org or Google Committee for a Responsible Federal Budget and sign up for um, our papers, policy briefs, blogs that we put out. I think they're really useful because they are so nonpartisan. We, uh, the only opinion we have is we should be more fiscally responsible, but we don't think that the government should be bigger or smaller or more conservative or more progressive. There's, there's a fiscally responsible home for everybody, and our numbers are straight, unbiased. And so it's great for people to learn more if they're interested. I yeah, think I the think, fun uh, thing to do. Yep. Yeah, I was just going to say whenever uh, our listeners go on your website, take a look at who uh, some of your uh, team members are, they're going to recognize some uh, major names from, from both parties uh, serving uh, in your committee. Yeah, we've got a tremendous board of directors, and they bring a lot of credibility to the organization. Um, and then I do think the fun thing is our interactive tools. So if you go on the website, there is a whole host of tools there, one on how you could fix Social Security, another on how to bring the debt down to more reasonable levels, others that sort of, you know, quizzes to test your knowledge things to look at your preferences of if you are going to pay for government, how would you want to do it? How would you want to spend the money? And we will collect, sorry for my dog, we will collect those answers that people put in and we will deliver them directly to members of Congress because there's a, a, a way to have more engagement with the citizenry on how we want our government to spend our money and whether we want them to borrow so much or whether we think that they should pay for it. And so we really love people using these tools and then sharing with us what they've come up with. Okay. Well, that website again is crfb.org. That's the Committee for a Responsible Federal Budget. I would encourage uh, our listeners to, to visit your website, 
So, uh, Maya, I want to thank you so much for uh, your time again. Uh, we'll continue to monitor the information on uh, your website and uh, be in touch with you uh, for uh, updates, uh, uh, maybe down the road again like we, we did this year. This is the second time you've been with us. It's been uh, great information, a great perspective. So, uh, Maya, again, thank you so much and, and uh, continued uh, uh, successes with the uh, efforts of uh, the Committee for Responsible Federal Budget there in Washington, D.C. Great. Thank you so much for having me. All right. And that was part two of our interview with Maya McGinnis and uh, the president, right, of the Committee for a Responsible Federal Budget. Uh, imagine that. It's almost hard for me to say the words responsible federal budget without laughing. And I know that's sad, but uh, wouldn't that be something if we had a responsible federal budget? And that's what she's pushing toward. It was great to talk to her about this latest bill that was passed. Uh, you did a great job. Good interview, Mike. Well, you know, it's it's an important issue to me personally, Tony, uh, to, to get this information out in, into the hands of, of our public. And yeah, it'd be nice if, if the government uh, had an attitude of, of being responsible uh, with the federal budget. But, you know, I'm not so sure that, that the last time that they actually passed a budget and, and stuck with it, uh, most of their work is done with continuing resolutions now on the spending. Uh, so uh, there's a lot of work that needs to be done. And uh, until the, the politicians step up and do the right type of work, it's just imperative that we as individuals uh, uh, take our own initiative and make sure that the uh, things that we're doing for our retirement are uh, as sound uh, and as strong and as uh, well thought through uh, as possible. Uh, and again, uh, it, it's not that uh, planning uh, is wrong that we review from, from other folks. It's just that it's incomplete, and we want to step in and kind of fill that gap. So if you do have any questions about your retirement planning, uh, it doesn't matter uh, if you uh, have 10, 15 years until you're going to be retiring, or if you're already retired, uh, we are happy to uh, lend our, uh, our services. We'll look at your plan. We'll do some reviews. We'll uh, do some projections. We'll get a, a good understanding of what your goals are, your timelines, uh, if there are any special circumstances in your family that need to be uh, planned for, and, and we'll get that uh, done. And uh, we don't charge uh, for those initial conversations. We just hope that uh, the work that we do, uh, you see value in it and that you'll decide to uh, bring uh, Compass Retirement Advisors uh, onto your retirement uh, planning team. Um, you can reach me at 812-787-0809. You can drop me an email at mgraber at compassra.com. And uh, also uh, take a look at our website, compassretirementadvisorsllc.com. We have a number of uh, short uh, videos there and other information that you might find helpful. Next week, Tony and I uh, are going to maybe dissect uh, some of uh, the things that uh, – Maya mentioned uh, in more detail. So we hope that uh, you'll join us again and uh, we'll uh, finish up our, our three-part uh, discussions with Maya and uh, look deeper at some of the uh, comments that she had and we'll share some updated uh, usdebtclock.org numbers with you next week. So until then, uh, thank you so much for joining us and we look forward to uh, you tuning again next week again for a retirement talk with Mike Graver. Thank you for listening to Retirement Talk. 
Don't pay too much for taxes or retire without a sound income plan. For more information, contact Mike Graber at Compass Retirement Advisors. Call 812-787-0809 or visit them online at compassretirementadvisorsllc.com. Investment advisory services provided by Creative One Wealth LLC, a registered investment advisor. Compass Retirement Advisors LLC, the Insurance Shop Inc., and Creative One Wealth LLC are unaffiliated entities. Mike Graber and Compass Retirement Advisors are not affiliated with or endorsed by the Social Security Administration or any government agency. Provided content is for overview and informational purposes only and is not intended and should not be relied upon as individual tax, legal, fiduciary, or investment advice. Each individual situation will vary and opinions expressed here may not apply to everyone. Materials presented are believed to be from reliable sources and no representations can be made to its accuracy. All ideas and information should be discussed in detail with one of our qualified representatives prior to representation. The information contained herein is based on our understanding of current tax law. The tax and legislative information may be subject to change and different interpretations. We recommend that you seek professional legal advice for applicability to your personal situation.